The FT has a new series on the future of investment. But what, I wonder, is the future of finance itself? Who is confident that the financial system now emerging from the crisis is safer or better at servicing the public's needs than the one that went into it? The answer has to be few people. The question is how to remedy this dire situation. What entered the crisis was, we now know, an ill-managed, irresponsible, highly concentrated and undercapitalized financial sector riddled with conflicts of interest and benefiting from implicit state guarantees. What is emerging is a slightly better capitalized financial sector, but one even more concentrated and benefiting and benefiting from explicit state guarantees. This is not progress. It has to mean still more and bigger crises in the years ahead. My friend and colleague John Kay is well aware of these dangers, as readers of his column know well. His answer, laid out in a pamphlet for the London-based Centre for the Study of Financial Innovation, is narrow banking. Mr. Kay rejects the notion that regulation can solve the problem created by state-guaranteed finance. Supervision, he notes, is always subject to regulatory capture. Moreover, banks, I quote, entered the crisis with capital generally in excess of regulatory requirements. These provisions proved not just inadequate, but massively inadequate for the problems faced. End of quote. Worse, many of the dangers notably the growth of off-balance sheet finance, reflected attempts to circumvent regulation. Regulation, then, has not been the answer, but hitherto has been part of the problem. So what is the answer? Division of banking into a utility and a casino is Mr. Kay's solution. The big idea is that insured deposits should be backed by genuinely safe liquid assets, known as 100% reserve banking. In practice, these assets would be government bonds. This is the most rigorous form of narrow banking. But Mr. Kay is not clear on whether he would insist on this. It seems he might accept looser constraints. For the sake of clarity, however, let us focus on 100% reserve banking, an idea also discussed in Austrian economics. Is it workable? What might it imply? To answer, we need to understand how we entered our world of credit-based money. Suppose someone came up with the following design for the core institutions of our financial system. They will be mainly financed by deposits, redeemable on demand. They would invest in a wide range of often illiquid and opaque assets. They would engage in complex trading activities, but they would have a wafer-thin equity cushion. Surely people would conclude, this is fraudulent. They would be right. Such a structure can only endure because central banks act as lenders of last resort. The government's ability to create money is put at the disposal of private interests. Right at the moment, the ability to borrow from the government at zero interest is a license to print money. In practice, however, we've gone much further than this. We have also explicitly guaranteed many deposits and implicitly guaranteed many more liabilities – Indeed, in the crisis, policymakers guaranteed all the liabilities of institutions deemed systemically significant. Today, the core financial institutions are beyond doubt a part of the state. Mr. Kay's proposal is, in sum, to end the fraud. 
banks will be forced to hold assets as safe and liquid as their liabilities. We know there are other ways of making a system of fractional reserve banks relatively safe. A stable domestic oligopoly achieves much the same thing. But that does seem highly regressive. So is Mr. Kay's the answer? One obvious objection is that it would impose a massive upheaval in finance. But given the scale of the crisis, such an upheaval might be the least we should fear. Another objection, though to some an advantage, is that taken to its conclusion, it would eliminate monetary policy. Public debt held by banks would set the money supply. A more profound issue is whether a financial system based on narrow banking could allocate capital effectively. Here there are two opposing risks. The first is that the supply of funds to riskier long-term activities will be greatly reduced if we did adopt narrow banking. Against this, one might argue that with public sector debt used to back the liabilities of narrow banks, investors would simply be forced to find other such assets. The opposite and greater risk is that the fragility of banking will be reinvented via quasi-banks. This is what has just happened, after all, with shadow banking. In the end, those entities, too, have been rescued. The big point is that a financial structure characterized by short-term and relatively risk-free liabilities and longer-term and riskier assets is highly profitable until it collapses, as it is prone to do. The answer to the second dilemma will be to make banking illegal. That is to say, financial intermediaries other than narrow banks would have the value of their liabilities dependent on the value of their assets. Where assets could not be valued, there will be matching lock-up periods for liabilities. The great game of short-term borrowing used to purchase longer-term and risky assets on wafer-thin equity would be ruled out. The equity risk will be borne by the fund's investors. Trading entities would still exist, but they would need equity funding. Christoph Chamley of Boston University and the Paris School of Economics and Lawrence Kotlikoff of Boston University proposed such radical ideas in the FT's Economist Forum on January the 27th, 2009. It is the simplest way I can see of avoiding the danger that narrow banking would merely shift the risks inherent in such activities elsewhere. The most important point to make is that where we now are is intolerable. Today's concentrations of state-insured private wealth and power must surely go. At present, the official sector believes tighter regulation, particularly higher capital requirements, will contain these risks. But it is quite likely to fail. If it does, we will need to be more radical. Yet narrow banking would still not be enough. We would need to rule out quasi-banking as well. Otherwise, we would soon return to the world of fragility and bailouts. Funds that replace banks would have to pass the risks directly onto outside investors. The authorities will, of course, not entertain such radical ideas right now. But the financial system is so fragile that radical reform cannot be pronounced extinct. It is probably only dormant. <laughs>